the most connected man in Washington. WSB's Jamie Dupree. He's on every day with Herman Kane. 1106 AM every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications on News 955 and AM 750. WSB. We are America. One voice united we stand. Why do you have any belief that you stand a chance to win this nomination, let alone the presidency? Most of the people that are in elective office in Washington, D.C. have held public office before. How's that working for you? Herman Cain, Solutions for a Better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us because we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to give you the facts because we want you to be better informed to help make this a better USA. Breaking news, breaking news every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Welcome. Hey, Herman. Now, Ryan had his first meeting with the Republicans as well as his leadership. Did all of the other leadership positions stay? They, everything stayed the same other than okay. him. So this is very, very odd. We usually, uh, I'd have to go back and do some research as to the last time we had something like this where the leadership stays the same and somebody jumps all the way up. Well, I'll tell you when it is. It's Dennis Hastert, I think, is yeah. probably the closest thing, even though we did have uh, Dick Army get uh, knocked out of the leadership, if I remember correctly at the time. But that would be the, the nearest thing to this. So today, uh, Paul Ryan sat down with fellow Republicans, first time that he'd been with them now after being elected as Speaker. Yesterday, he started putting his uh, thumbprint on what's going on here. Uh, speaking of Dennis Hastert, as they pulled his portrait off the wall in the Speaker's lobby, just off the floor of the House, and we're not sure where it's gone to, but obviously this is in the wake of Hastert pleading guilty last week to these charges of evading federal banking laws, Right, and obviously the the worries that it's about something a lot more than that, and maybe hush money to cover up past misconduct. So that's one thing that he's done, and ironically, the the new portrait that's on the wall instead of Hastert, Herman, is a speaker from the early 20th century named Frederick Gillette, And if you go back and read something about Gillette, you'll find that he was elected by Republicans after the uh, Speaker Cannon had been pushed out. Speaker Cannon was seen as a very top-down authoritarian speaker, and then they brought in Gillette, who a lot of people thought would open the process and be nicer to everybody, and that's the way it turned out. So I don't know if that's—they were trying to sort of say, well, that's what Paul Ryan is going to do as well in the aftermath of John Boehner being speaker. So Ryan— came out and spoke to reporters a little while ago. I actually thought it was sort of funny. He asked uh, reporters at his little news conference to identify themselves, just openly acknowledging he didn't know everybody, uh, right. which I thought was sort of nice. Uh, Ryan, his uh, the basic soundbite from this, uh, he said that the Republicans are ready to push forward with an aggressive alternative agenda. He said it's about uh, coming up with new solutions and talking about issues and policy that he wants to have out there rather than a lot of infighting among the GOP. He was asked about the, the race for the White House, but Ryan refused to weigh in, saying, look, it's all about this right here in the GOP and getting the job done in Congress. I like his focus. Yeah. I mean, why, why do you want to weigh in on that? I, w- I would agree with that. Now, speaking of issues, uh, you didn't hear a lot in the news about a VA hearing that went on last night. There was a hearing last night, and uh, the, well, that's one of the problems, just to tell you the truth, Herman. When you have it at night, you don't get as many people working and covering these things. I'll, I'll just tell you that straightforward. Uh, there were two VA officials who came in last night, 
And they've been before the panel before. I instantly recognized them as having uh, been up there and refusing to answer questions. And one is the director of the Philadelphia Regional Office for the Veterans Benefits Administration. Another is director of the uh, regional office for same thing for the VBA in Minnesota and St. Paul. And both of them are accused of basically forcing people out of their jobs and moving themselves into those jobs at a nice rate of pay with less responsibility than they had before, basically to help themselves out and then taking advantage of a VA program that allowed them to get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in costs for moving to those jobs. Uh, Both of them took the Fifth Amendment last night to avoid self-incrimination. There seemed to be an undercurrent that they would face some type of punishment from inside the VA, and there's even the possibility that they could face criminal uh, cases as well. You know, again, I said this to you yesterday, and I think it's important to remember, I know that a lot of people keep saying that the Congress has not done enough on the VA, uh, but I do think that we see so little in the way of real oversight by the Congress and the, the, the work of the House Veterans Committee is so hands, head and shoulders above anything, really, that's gone on in recent years, in many ways, in trying to get to the bottom of a variety of th- these things. And we saw another one of those examples in this VA hearing last night. So when they took the fifth, uh, isn't that an implication that they are guilty of what they're being accused of? Well, some might say there is, and others would argue, no, I have that right under the Constitution not to be forced to answer anything uh, that might, you know, cause me problems later on. Then again, it doesn't have to. I mean, we saw Lois Lerner take the fifth, and that didn't exactly lead to any criminal action against her. So we'll see whether or not uh, anything happens. It did seem like, though, the testimony from officials at the VA was that there, there, are, there are efforts underway to utilize the new law that the Congress passed last year to more swiftly try to discipline employees at the VA, that these two people are certainly under the gun inside the VA. But you said that they forced somebody out of a job that and then they moved themselves put, into it, which was less responsibility, but more money. Uh, about the same rate of pay, but uh, less responsibility, yes. Where did, where did those other people go? Uh, one was forced to go to Los Angeles. And he, it was interesting listening to his testimony because he talked about there was a specific way, and I can't remember, I don't have it written down here in my notes, I have it uh, at home. It was, uh, there was some bureaucratic way to describe how you were being uh, transferred. If you didn't agree to it, they could order you to go. And that's what happened with this guy. In fact, it happened to him once before, so he had experience with it. So you can force people to be transferred, and that's how they push these people out of their jobs. Unbelievable. But like the Justice Department said about Lois Lerner, ineffective management is not a crime. So did they commit a crime? I guess See, that's, uh, that's, that's the what, thing. That's and, the and, unanswered and you're absolutely question. right about that. It is not a crime just to do dumb things in yeah. a job. No, yeah. you're absolutely right. But uh, the VA is trying to move ahead with disciplinary action, so we'll see whether, you know, what happens on this. Uh, the, the Inspector General of the VA had already reported, issued a report, I think was back either in August or September, uh, that said that these two people wrongly used their positions of, th- of authority for, quote, personal and financial benefit. Uh, they kept their salaries of, what, 180 and 173 grand even though the new positions that they took at these regional offices had less responsibility and actually a lower pay range than their previous jobs, one of which uh, one woman had worked at the VA here in D.C. and another had worked in the eastern region for the uh, Veterans Benefits Administration. It must be nice to uh, move yourself into a job, keep that level of pay, which is equivalent to a member of Congress, okay? Yes, it is. Without the, I mean, it's just 
it's just mind-boggling. Well, again, how- I will say this, and I know it's not popular, but think about how difficult it is for the Congress to keep tabs on a large agency like the VA when you basically have one committee in the House and one committee in the Senate. That would be the equivalent of, think of you with Godfather's Pizza. You are the CEO, and maybe you had, one, say you had three people with you. That would be about the equivalent of you trying to keep tabs on the entire company with just a handful of people. That's sort of what the Congress faces because they're not a big organization. I always ask people, how much do you think the budget is for the House and the Senate each year? Right. It's $3 billion for the House and $3 billion for the Senate. It's really not that much compared to the rest of the federal government. And when you're trying to oversee uh, you know, several trillion dollars in spending, there's really not that many people here. And that's why I say it's very rare that we see very effective oversight. We have seen it from the House Veterans Committee in both parties. Wow. You said there's a new poll out in New Hampshire, is it, for the yeah, Democrats? Yeah, a new poll in New Hampshire this morning that shows Hillary Clinton now ahead of Bernie Sanders. Now, again, let's not get all uh, jumping up about that because that would I'm certainly not. be something different from what we've seen. So maybe it's an outlier or something like that. But it is something to note simply because she has shown such strength in the aftermath of that first debate, her testimony about Benghazi, Joe Biden not getting in the race, Jim Webb and Lincoln Chafee getting out. I mean, there's a new poll nationally that came out today that showed her ahead by 31 points. Well, you had a poll down there in your home state of Georgia, I think, yesterday that showed her ahead by, what was it, 57 points, I think it was, over Bernie Sanders. So if uh, could it be that not only does she have momentum nationally, but maybe is going to be able to eat into Sanders in New Hampshire? Let's wait and see for some more polling. But uh, that's one that uh, sort of made me jump up today. We'll have to see whether or not we get anything else. That wasn't a new one relative to the Republicans in New Hampshire, was it? Yeah, and it was from the same organization, I think, as well, Monmouth University. In that one, Trump was still ahead in New Hampshire by 10 points over Ben Carson. The big move had been made by Marco Rubio, who jumped up, I think, was nine points into third. And then you still had uh, John Kasich in fourth in New Hampshire. That's the only state where the governor of Ohio has shown much in the way of, uh, of, of any strength. I think right now, the no matter whether it's, you know, nationally, we've had some polls showing Trump ahead, some showing Carson ahead. Let's just sort of say for right now that they're one, two, and they're clear of the field. I think that's pretty, pretty obvious. They're up in the upper 20s, mid 20s. And then you come back, there's three people that's sort of in that second group, uh, Rubio, Ted Cruz, and then Jeb Bush. I sort of look at this, if there are any people who who follow bicycle racing, it's like uh, the field is splintering, and there's two, two guys up the road, Trump and Carson. There's three others behind, Rubio, Cruz, and Bush. Jeb Bush is trying as hard as he can to stay on the wheel of either Cruz or Rubio and not lose touch with them. And then you sort of go back to everybody else. I mean, for example, yesterday's NBC poll had, uh, had Fiorina, Huckabee, Christie and Kasich all at 3% and Rand Paul at 2% and everybody else wasn't even there. So that just shows me that the race is still separating and no wonder Jeb Bush is hitting the reset because he's struggling just to stay in that second group right now. Didn't you tell me you first started working in Washington in 1986, was it? As a reporter in 1986. I had my first job up here in 1980, the last year of the Carter administration. So what do you think of Jeb's reset strategy? Well, I think it's a lot like Hillary Clinton's resets. I mean, how many times have we heard that she's, you know, redoing things? Look, I I think Jeb has a a, uh, timing. I think if, if Jeb Bush had won his race for governor in Florida in 1994... 
uh, he might have been president in 2000. You know, uh, life can take some weird sort of forks in the road along the way. And it may well be that simply timing is his biggest problem. Sometimes when you run for president, it's a good environment, and sometimes it's not. That's true for running for the House or the Senate. And I do think that Hillary Clinton being the likely Democratic nominee really hurts Jeb Bush because there's a lot of people out there that want no part of a Bush-Clinton race. And Bush has not shown a lot of people that sort of inner fire that I think they'd like to see. Um, I, I still think the, the probably the consensus conventional wisdom here in D.C., if you force people to lay down a few dollars and bet right now at a presidential betting window— I would, and, and again, this is just sort of the sense on the street here in D.C. It would be that, oh, there's no way Trump and Carson can last. There's no way that's going to happen. It'll be either Rubio or Cruz. I think that's sort of what people feel like here. Now, that may be totally wrong, but that's, that's from judging from uh, speaking to a lot of people and hearing people. That's sort of what people think right now. Well, Trump is self-funding. Uh, Carson raised a million dollars last month. Yeah, Carson's uh, only problem, he's got a yeah. big burn rate. That's one question yeah, about him. Yeah, Well, they keep trying to pronounce them prematurely dead, but they're That's not. That's the wrong move. That's, That's the wrong why move. we wait for the voters to wait have their say in what it'll be say. You know, less than three months now to Iowa. Herman. And we got a ways to go. Thanks a lot, Jamie. See you, buddy.